Hey guys and girls, this is Michael Raziel with our athletes. Today we have Darian Stevens. She's of USA Skiing. Um, Darian's super cool, very relaxed. She has an amazing story of what she's went through from a very young age. She's done some incredible things, moving away from her family to pursue this dream of hers, and she's been able to do that. Super cool, super relaxed, very nice to talk to, very enjoyable. I think she had some great things to say, so I hope you guys really enjoy it. And other than that, I hope you have a great episode. All right, and today we have our special guest, Darian Stevens. She is a freestyle skier. She does slope style. She is a 2018 Olympian. She was born in 1996 in Missoula, Montana. I hear it's beautiful out there. I had some friends that went to college, so lucky you on that one. Uh, started skiing at the age of four. I'm sure someone's heard this before, but she did end up missing the 2014 games by a single spot. We'll get into that a little bit later. But as I said, she made it to 2018. She got to go to, what was that? So, um, Oh, 2018. Duh, that was South Korea. That was a couple months ago, right? Yep. Very cool, man. Well, thank you very much uh, for coming on. We sincerely do appreciate it. Don't want to take up too much of your time, but we do want to learn a little bit about you. And hopefully the, uh, the audience wouldn't mind learning a little bit more about you as well. So if you don't mind, obviously, I gave you a very, very quick synopsis. But if you want to delve into any part of your life that you think would be pretty interesting to the audience, uh, we'd love a little story time if you don't mind. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I pretty much grew up skiing. Uh, there are obviously really nice mountains in Montana, and I was very lucky to grow up where I did. I pretty much grew up skiing moguls, which is kind of funny. Uh, that's all we really have to offer over there, and that's kind of the key sport that goes on. Um, so I started doing that, and I liked it, but as soon as I started doing slope style at other contests where you could do every contest, I fell in love with slope style. And um, at 15, I told my mom I didn't want to do moguls anymore, and um, <laughs> she she was hesitant because um, she knew I'd have to move away. But she let me move away, and you know I started doing online school, and I moved out to Park City and worked to pursue my dreams. Heck yeah, that's crazy! At 15, you decided, you know, sorry, mom, love you, but you know I have this wonderful thing I want to do. What was like? That's got to be a, I mean, just a family. I mean, at 15, I don't. I just got into high school. I didn't know what the heck was going on there. And you're just moving away completely to, I mean, Montana to Park City is kind of far, you know, or Missoula to Park City is kind of far. Like, yeah. what was that like at 15 having to make that kind of decision and, and really being able to, having to talk that through with your parents? Yeah. Um, so there's, a, luckily in Missoula, there's a lot of, um, like our coaches and stuff had done similar things. And it's kind of just one of those things that you do. Um, I'm not even, it doesn't even really matter where you're from. It's just, uh, Park City is just a really good place to come if you want to be a good skier, you know. So my coach pretty much just told my mom he had to let me go if she wanted to let me live out my dreams. So, I mean, it was crazy. To, I was obviously pretty caught up in high school when I was 15. And, I mean, surprisingly, I was pretty sad to leave. Uh, you would think most high school kids would be pretty excited to get out. But I was pretty sad to miss out on the whole high school experience. Uh, but you know, looking back now, I wouldn't change a thing, but it was definitely a big change. I moved out here with, uh, kind of a group they're called the Wasatch project. And they basically take in kids who want to, you know, uh, go skiing every day. And most of us did online schools and they fed us and housed us. And it was really nice. And I started doing that. And then, um, my roommate, well, my roommate now, she, her parents bought a condo and then I moved in with her when, when I was 17 because I was like ready to be 
on my own. So I guess I just had to grow up really, really fast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's incredible. Like congratulations on doing that yeah. again. Like at 15, like I, I could barely figure out how to like brush my teeth in the morning. Um, I <laughs> well, mean, I could it was, do it. Yeah. I just didn't. Cause for some reason at 15, I decided not to. So you made, you know, as you said, <laughs> you grew up extremely fast. That is just, yeah. that is just crazy impressive. And like, do you, do you still have connections to the people you grew up with as well as the people you started skiing with, uh, back in Missoula? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to keep in, like, in contact with people all the time. I've pretty much lived in Park City full-time for four years, so it's definitely hard to really stay in touch with anyone. But I still have friends that I go back and, you know, we get to hang out when I go back home. But, I mean, it, most of my friends live out here for the most part. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, most yeah. people, college those were my best friends because I lived with them for, for right. a couple of years, you know, naturally. And so you've been out there, you've literally lived, lived with these people for the last however many years it's been. And that's, you know, that's just extremely impressive. So again, congratulations yeah. on being able to <laughs> even you. make that decision. That's not something I, I mean, I'm barely capable of living more than a half an hour from my parents now. And, you know, at 15, yeah. you're like, yeah, this is, this is a good idea. This is what I want to do. And hey, yeah. again, as you said, you wouldn't change it for the world and it clearly worked out. So uh, congratulations yeah. on that again. Thank you. Very cool. Very cool. And like, so what was that like for your family life? Like that has to be pretty difficult. As you said, your mom didn't want you to leave naturally. Like I'm sure she thought about even coming with you. How kind of, how did that whole dynamic work? Um, obviously we don't have to get too personal, just out of curiosity. Yeah. How did that work? Yeah. I mean, it was definitely pretty crazy. Um, basically when I first moved out, I just moved out for the winter. Uh, so it wasn't too bad. It was only a couple months. And, mm -hmm. um, but then I pretty much moved out here full time when I was 17 uh, and I kind of just hopped back and forth. But I think at first it was really hard on my mom, but she's kind of gotten used to it. And I mean, I think it's been like really good. Like when I go home and I get to hang out with my parents and they're like my favorite people. So it's nice to have them like feel like more of like, obviously they're my parents, but they feel like friends to me most of the time. And cool. they've been like, nothing but supportive of my whole entire journey. So I think it's been, it's been great either way. As you said, you wouldn't change it for the world. And I love <laughs> yeah. that. That is good stuff. Um, so cool. Thank you very much for that. And explaining a little bit further yeah. into understanding, you know, Darian a little bit more that is just phenomenal. So I guess let's, let's get into kind of the, the everyday life out in um, Park City where you are now. What is it like? Like what's a typical day like with training, with getting the correct nutrition, eating on a schedule, uh, recovery, coaching, kind of, how do you, what, like, give me your schedule, I guess. What is today? Tuesday? Kind of what is, what is a normal Tuesday yeah. look like in your life? Um, well, <laughs> I guess as far as athletes go, um, our sport's kind of the most laid back just because it's not endurance-based or, you know, um, I mean, we all go and we work out at the gym, but in reality, the only thing that's going to make you a better slope-style skier is just actually skiing mm -hmm. and learning new stuff. So it's kind of tricky, but, I mean, I typically wake up, eat breakfast, go to the gym. Sometimes we hit the airbag, um, up at the, at the Olympic park, um, as part what, of like our summer. What is the airbag? Explain that. <laughs> okay. So it's kind of like a, there's this artificial snow, I guess, mm -hmm. and they built the jump and then there's a giant airbag. So it kind of, it, it has like a knuckle, like a regular jump would, and then there's a landing and then it goes flat almost back uphill. And so you basically just do your trick into this airbag and you land on your feet and then you just kind of slide down the rest of the bag. Okay. But 
Okay. It's just kind of a useful tool to try tricks that you wouldn't necessarily want to just throw on snow. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's very forgiving <laughs> compared to snow. Kind of almost um, like a, like a foam pit, except you land of, yeah. rather than yeah. just like, just jumping into a foam pit. Yeah. Okay. So that makes they've sense. Had, um, they've had the flat airbags for a while, but this is one of the few sloping airbags that they have. I think there's only a couple really in the world, mm-hmm. um, like a handful. So we have one here that we're lucky enough to get to use all the time. So, uh, usually that's in our weekly schedule at some point. Um, and then, I mean, I pretty much after that, just do whatever, go hang out with my friends, go to a lake, go for a hike, do whatever mountain bike. I love to mountain bike, um, rock climbing, whatever, just kind of staying busy and doing like active stuff, but not really anything that crazy. <laughs> Very cool. That sounds kind of yeah. nice. Yeah. We, I've, I've talked to, um, some swimmers that, you know, their schedule is just wicked, like getting up crazy. at four 30 <laughs> to, you know, they have their nap scheduled into their day kind of thing. And it's like, that's mm-hmm. just, that's nuts. And it sounds like you're kind of, as you said, just a little bit more laid back and Hey, yeah. if it works, it works, man. That's not yeah. too bad. Yeah. It's pretty nice. <laughs> that is too cool. And so you said you, um, did online schooling. Now when you were doing, uh, like your, uh, your, did you graduate college? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm, no. I graduated high school. I'm okay. about two years into college. Oh, okay, cool. And now how, obviously with this year being the Olympic year, kind of how did that, how did you just like take that time off and you just say, okay, six months beforehand, you know, I'm done with this. Let me, let me focus yeah. on this one thing we got going on. Um, so Westminster college in Salt Lake city kind of has a grant with our ski team. And, uh, so they are very well at like, I mean, they're good at working with their athletes. So they try to, you know, plan classes around your schedule and um, pretty, I mean, pretty much you just get away with more stuff than the normal student. (laughs) And uh, if you're missing school for training or something, they try to be really welcoming about that. Um, So I pretty much always take the spring off just because that's kind of the heat of our competition season. Uh, But since it was the Olympics, I, the Olympic year, I just took off the entire, I took off fall and spring and then the next fall, um, just kind of, so I didn't have to worry about it. Um, cause it, I, it's a lot to have school and skiing and I kind of already knew I had a, a lot on my plate. So I just took the semester off. And that completely yeah. makes sense. And the <laughs> semester after yeah college in slow motion (laughs) yeah hey this is the wrong thing as long as you get it done once you get that paper you're good like however long it takes you it takes you i mean i have friends that aren't olympic skiers and it took them you know six seven years to graduate so like you're you're doing just fine man not too bad not too bad at all um that's pretty cool though that uh westminster has been brought up once or twice to me so far just talking about how um they are super not i don't want to say lenient but super um uh forgiving no that's also not a word i want to use like they they work very well with obviously the the athletes and understanding what you guys are going through and how kind of to give you what you need and what you what you want at the same time which is which is pretty cool so kudos to them um hopefully that's still still rocking and rolling so what is so now you kind of gave me your your rundown of a tuesday what sounds like recently before the games you know i guess running up to the games what was how, how much more intense i'm assuming um everything was, you know, probably not just, you know, leisurely mountain bike riding, um, every day, mountain bike riding every day, which would be kind of nice, but kind of how did, how, how was that compared to, you know, what you're doing now and, and still trying to gear up, you know, for four years, but obviously, you know, prior. Yeah. So I guess the year before the Olympics is always just crazy. And obviously you just try to get as much 
training as you can, whether it's on snow or in the gym or at the airbag, whatever. Uh, so last year we were pretty much, uh, we were on snow in May. We were on snow in June. We hit the airbag all of July. Um, August, we went to New Zealand and skied. September, we hit the airbag all month. And then October and November, we were in Europe skiing. And then pretty much the season started from there. So we had basically no time to relax really at all. It was kind of just like from one place to another. And, you know, like I said, whether it was like on snow training or hitting the airbag, we were constantly doing something. And it, I mean, obviously it was, it was okay. It was just having like, after everything's over, it's so nice to just, you know, like live your life and not be super worried about everything and uh, just kind of blow off some steam, I guess, and relax and just not stress. And you know that you have a long time before you have to do that again. <laughs> um, so that's kind of nice too. And we've pretty much just been laying low. I've skied a couple times this summer, but nothing too crazy. And it's just nice. <laughs> Yeah, that does. I, cause, cause again, as I said, I've been talking to some, you know, summer, um, summer game athletes and they're just telling me how they're starting to ramp up now and they're starting right. to get everything like going now. And now it's, it's nice to talk to you and you're just like, yeah, I, I did all that. I don't need to do it. I'm kind of relaxed. We're just trying to have a good time out here in, uh, in park city. So that is, that yep. is pretty cool. But that, that does sound like a pretty intense amount of work. I mean, at what point is it, too much you know like obviously practice <laughs> yeah. perfect practice makes perfect but at some point you know the the constant wear and tear on your body you know what is the recovery like during this just immense amount of work running up to the games and the the season um i mean i think i didn't i feel like i didn't really notice it until around when we started competing and i mean i think anyone who was there could tell you the same it seemed like every single one of us were sick after every contest because we were just so like emotionally and physically drained um and you just kind of had to suck it up and go to the next one and it's definitely a lot but I mean it's for good reason and we had a blast doing it somewhat <laughs> to a certain extent um looking looking back I mean, on it you had a blast yeah, right yeah looking back on it, it you had a blast it's definitely a lot of work but yeah um and I think it's a lot more like mental work than you think uh, a lot of people just kind of think slope style is pretty whatever but there's a lot of mental stuff that goes into it as well um because any given run that you're doing you're doing pretty much the hardest tricks you can do consistently all in a run and you have to do it pretty much perfect so it's definitely very hard and I think we worked really hard and it'll be nice to have some off time this year where we can just kind of ski around the park and hopefully learn some new tricks because um, when you're competing all the time you can't really try new tricks right because you have to Landry runs. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, it'll be nice to have that off time and be able to learn some new stuff. Very cool. And it sounds like you obviously went through this with a group of people that were all in the same boat. Now, how, how did that kind of, did you, I'm assuming you all kind of lifted each other up and kind of, what is that camaraderie like? I mean, you've known these people for a little while now, um, your teammates and, and, and your friends, I'm assuming, you know, what, what is that camaraderie like? And is this, misery loves company man we all know that so like kind of how yeah how, have you, how were you all able to kind of come together and just be able to push just push even further and higher yeah I mean the people on my team are pretty much you know three or four of my best friends um and it's really nice to have them around because I mean skiing has its highs but it has its lows and you know you have injuries and 
bad results and stuff like that. And there's a lot of things that can bring you down, but it's nice to have other people kind of doing the same things and going through the same things. Uh, even if people think they know what's going on, they really don't. So it's nice to have someone that like actually has probably been in your shoes before and can help you out. And I mean, our team is, I think we're, we get along really, really well and we all try really hard to lift each other up and it's, it's tough because you know, you're competing against them for an Olympic spot and sometimes, sometimes it's hard, but you just kind of got to get over it. I mean, one of my friends beat me out in 2014 and I just, it definitely sucked, but I had to just kind of get over it and you know, it happens to other people too. And you kind of just have to try to be supportive, even though you're really sad. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, yeah. naturally, of course, like that is true. You guys are all teammates, but at the same time you are competing. Um, yeah. So if you actually don't mind, could you explain the qualification process for your, your, you know, your specific discipline and kind of mm -hmm. how that works? And obviously then we'll be kind of running into your favorite question of, you know, missing it, missing the 2014 game. Luckily you made the 2018 game. So I guess it's yeah. probably not as bad, but at the same time, no. can, you, can you explain that qualification process, kind of how that works? And then, you know, we'll, we can kind of figure out what that, what that was like yeah. a little bit. Um, so basically the team picks uh, which, which of the um, competitions are going to be the Olympic qualifiers. And then though that's how the team is chosen based on your results at those contests. Um, so I'm not fully sure how the point system works, but basically a certain amount of points are assigned to each rank. So I think it goes through top 10 and you kind of just get like a certain amount of points for those results. And then they take your best two results and add them together. And that's kind of how they rank the team. So, um, and the actual criteria to make the Olympic team is two podiums, but that's pretty steep <laughs> and a lot of people don't usually do it. Um, but so yeah, that's pretty much how they do it. And I'm not really sure about the numerical value of everything. because it's kind of confusing, but they pretty much just bring it down to two contests out of five usually. Mm -hmm. And then, two. and then from there, and it's, it's four members you said go. Um, so they can take four. They don't have to. Oh, okay. It, it, it's kind of tricky because all the spots are kind of connected. So like all the, we're connected with like the aerials team and the mogul team and stuff like that. Like there's a certain amount of spots for a big group. So it really comes down to, uh, I guess the team figuring out who's likely to do better kind of. And this year we had a lot of spots, so they took four and almost everything I feel like, but typically, I mean, they would kind of just balance it out and be like, should we take another free skier or should we take an aerialist or should we take another mogul person? And it usually works out like that. So it's kind of, it's kind of tricky too, because it's not, sometimes it's not really in your control. Yeah. I was going to say, it's not like even a one-to-one, -one, like you're even competing against people that you're not competing against, you know, obviously yeah. they're on your team, but as, it, as you made it sound like there's only so many spots for skiing, let's just call it yeah. just to, you know, simplify it. And then from there, you know, we'll, we'll try and take the best athletes who we think will yeah. win in their discipline. So that, yeah, that yeah. can get a, definitely a little tricky. Um, uh, yeah, that, that does sound really confusing and complicated and yeah. <laughs> don't even bother, just do your best. And clearly, yeah. you know, it, it worked out this last time. So, you know, in, in 2014, you were what, eight, 18 years old, 17 years old, 17, 17 yeah. years old. You miss the Olympics by a literal spot. Um, you know, again, let's go back to, you know, nine years ago, 10 years ago when I was 17, 
I couldn't even fathom being one spot away from, you know, being one of the best athletes in the world. So like, again, like some of this stuff happened to you so young. I just think it's impressive that you had the mental capacity to even understand what was going on. You know, as you were talking about before your sport is extremely mental as well. So, you know, what, I guess, I mean, I'm assuming it wasn't fun, but kind of how did that whole process work out? You know, obviously you were happy for your friend at the same time yeah. sad for yourself. You know, what did you do? How did you kind of cope with that and, you know, make it back so that this next time around you're like, no, 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 I'm going to crush it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I pretty much that season like started out doing pretty well and I ended up actually getting a, po- a second place at one of the World Cups that was an Olympic qualifier. Um, so going into the last contest, I pretty much not assumed, but I felt pretty confident about having a spot and I just had to do somewhat decent. And, um, I, I had a bruised heel at the time and I, both my thumbs were really hurting me. And I think I was just, I think the whole mental part of it really got to me then. Um, just cause I was so young and I did kind of feel like a, like one of the younger people, like, I don't know how to describe it, but I kind of felt a little intimidated by the other girls, I guess. Um, just from a skill level, I guess. I just wasn't as comfortable with skiing at that time as I am now. Looking back at it, obviously I can see that. At the time, I didn't feel that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just couldn't really land the run that I wanted to at the last Olympic qualifier and kind of just slipped away. Um, and it was really tough on me for sure. <laughs> Um, but I mean, eventually after a long time, I kind of learned how to, you know, use it as motivation and not really like let it bring me down all the time. And, uh, I mean, I pretty much came back that next season and felt super good and was ready to do super well. Unfortunately, I ended up blowing my knee that season, but, um, which was a bummer too, but, um, I mean, that's just kind of how skiing goes. It's got its ups and downs and i basically just had to figure out how to use that as motivation and work hard towards the next one. But I do think it put a little more pressure on me this time around just cause I was so close last time that I was like reaching for it. But, um, <laughs> but just, I mean, yeah, I, it was, it ended up being, I don't know, a good thing, I guess. I don't know. Um, you could but, be honest. I mean, yeah, it's like, a blessing and a curse kind of thing, but you were pretty angry. I'm yeah. assuming. I mean, you missed the Olympics by literally one spot. Like, I don't, yeah. don't want to harp on it. And, and as you said, before we even came on, you know, it's your favorite question to be asked, but I mean, like, yeah, I'd, I'm not going to lie. I'd be livid. Like I would be, yeah. you know, yeah. distraught. You know, I'd probably cry about something like that. That's just, that's awful. But luckily you were, <laughs> you know, but you were so young at 17. Yeah. Like you probably were like, oh, okay, shit. Like, yeah. I'm 17. Like that means I have at least two more shots minimum at this point, you know, barring injury, you know, knock on wood, of course, cross our fingers Mm -hmm. for you. Um, you have at least two more shots to make the game. So like you, uh, that's one thing interesting about the Olympics that I've always found, um, is, is kind of, you know, not really looked at enough. Like your age is super indicative on how many games, like 17, you were one spot away, but clearly you weren't too young you know if you were 16 you probably wouldn't have been able to get there so then you know you had that extra shot at that one olympics which i always think is really cool and you know clearly you used it chip on your shoulder you were ready to go you know anger in your veins kind of thing and you were able to you know take that utilize it and um you know make make 2018 so now let's go to a happier moment in your life you're you're at the 2018 games you know this was only a couple months ago you know i can see in your face you're already you know you're still pretty you know pretty happy about it you know what was that like 
you know, finally getting that, you know, I, I've talked to people and they, they said they've received text messages, but what, what was that like, you know, when you finally hear like, okay, I'm on the team, I'm making the games, you know, we're going to Pyeongchang, we're going to South Korea, you know, oh my gosh, yeah. you know, tell, tell me about like what that feeling was like. Yeah. So pretty much after our last Olympic qualifier, um, I was kind of, I was sitting in the four, in the fourth and final spot, but was kind of, I didn't want to, I felt pretty confident about going, but I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to get too excited until mm-hmm. I got the call. So I pretty much just was in Park City for about a week stressing. <laughs> oh my um, gosh. They let you just stew for a week? Yeah. Oh I, man. Uh, maybe it was like four or so days. but It probably felt it like felt three months. Like, so. Yeah, it did. <laughs> so I was kind of just waiting to get a call from my coach. And one day I was on on the way to the gym or something and my coach called and he was like, good news. We're taking four people. You got the fourth spot. Congrats. And I don't really feel like it hit me until I actually got there mm-hmm. because it was like such a crazy thing to hear. Um, but I mean, it, the Olympics was like everything I thought it would be and more, I guess. What were did you, did you expect to make it, you know, obviously being one short the year, uh, the, the, the round prior, was it like, okay, well next, next time I'm going to make it. Was that kind of the mindset you had for those four years? Definitely. Yeah. 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 Um, and that, uh, I pretty much was just like, well, I didn't get to go to Russia, but I'm going to get to South Korea. Like I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to get there. So that's kind of how I saw it, I guess. And then I'm assuming that's your, your mindset is not only to make it this next time, but to be number one on the team and to, you know, get on the podium this next yeah, time. Yeah, that's, that's the hope. I mean, it kind of depends on um, injuries and stuff just because, I mean, I might only be 21, but I feel old. <laughs> um, so just kind of, we'll see how it goes. Um, but I'm definitely hoping to make another one. Just hoping. I've already had two knee surgeries, so I'm kind of just hoping I don't have to do deal with any more of that kind of stuff, but we'll see. Um, and yeah, looking forward to hopefully going to Beijing for sure and shooting for it for sure. Heck yeah. Why not? Right. I mean, that should be the expectation at this point. And so, so let's go back to the, 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 the 2018 games, you know, what, what was that like walking into the stadium, the opening ceremonies? I heard it was super cold when I was watching it on TV, you know, <laughs> what was that? Like, what was that whole process like? Were you deer in the headlights? Were you just kind of soaking everything in and letting it wash over you kind of thing? How, how did you, react to that you know up until you you were able to you know go on your first run um I don't I mean so two of the girls on the team had gone to the last Olympics and then me and my friend Caroline were both like this was our first time going so I feel like they were kind of accustomed to what was going on but I think me and Carol were always kind of starstruck I guess or kind of deer in the headlights ish because we were we would kind of just look at each other and be like oh my god this is happening we're here we're here we're here and I, um, so that was really cool. And I think like obviously opening ceremonies is really cool because, you know, there's so many people in the U S and then you have 240, I think it was four, something like that athletes and you're re- representing an entire country. Like it's, it's honestly like, it's truly an honor really. <laughs> that yeah. sounds cliche, but it really is. <laughs> no, man, that, like it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, you know, and that's why I appreciate what you guys are doing and that's exactly why I'm doing you know, what we're doing right yeah. now is because I want more people to understand, you know, there was 244 of you, you know, off, off the back of your hand, you know, the, the, the normal person might be able to name six. So let's talk to those other 244 <laughs> yeah. and see what they were yeah. like and what their experience was like, because you're helping us, you're representing us and we appreciate you um, in every way, shape and form. And I think that this is 
one way people will be able to actually get to know you a little bit better rather than, hey, that one lady that went down the, the slope that one time, you know, we want you to be more <laughs> yeah. than that. Um, so, okay. So you're there kind of starstruck. You're with a lot of friends with people, you know, people you don't having an amazing time. I'm assuming. Um, what was it like then, you know, being able to well, like, what was your first run? Like, what did you, how, I guess, how long was the wait from the opening ceremony to when your sport actually started? Cause I know there's for some, there's mm-hmm. like actually a little bit of time that they have to wait. Yeah. So we ended up having about a week, okay. um, from when we arrived to the village until we competed, I think it was pretty much a week. And the first week we kind of just, we had training um, for three days before qualifiers. But before that we were kind of just hanging out, um, laying low, going to the gym. We tried to go watch some events, but a lot of them were at night and it was really cold and we didn't want to like risk getting sick or something. So um, we kind of just honestly hung out a lot and kind of just, you know, got over the jet lag because <laughs> that, that flight was insane. Yeah. What's, um, how long was that flight? I th- tw- like 12 and a half hours. Yeah. And I'm out here on the East coast. So I'm thinking coming from, you know, New York city um, yeah. to, to then I'm assuming LAX or some, somewhere over there and then mm-hmm. hopping over. Like that's gotta be just wicked. Like yeah. I, I went to Europe one time and I was tired for a week. I can only imagine, <laughs> yeah. you know, flying yeah. two times, three times as far and having to deal with that. So mm-hmm. getting over the jet lag sounds like a lot of Netflix. I'm assuming a lot of movies yeah. you guys watched on the plane for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm really bad at, you'd think I'd be good at traveling these days, but I, I can't sleep on an airplane at all. So I, it's good for me to have a couple days to kind of catch up on sleep and everything. And, um, I mean, we also, when we landed in Seoul, we had team processing and everything and that was really cool. Uh, it was strange showing up with pretty much nothing in my suitcase. I had like my ski equipment, like skis and poles and boots and a helmet. But other than that, pretty much everything's given to you. Um, which is crazy. Cause that's not how trips go. <laughs> you usually have a bunch of bags and, uh, it was kind of funny showing up with one bag and going home with four giant mm. bags and a ski bag. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we kind of just hung out. We went to, I think we went to an event before we competed, but tried to stay pretty low and not, you know, go out and stay out late or whatever and kind of just get our stuff together. And then, we got to hit the course for three days. Uh, we had three hours of training every day and that was good. So training went super well, kind of just flow through the jumps and get to know the speed. And Everybody has their own training kind of program. For me, I kind of just hit the jumps a couple times, do a couple setup tricks and then pretty much just do my run and leave. Um, that's typically how a day goes for me. Uh, and then Going into qualifiers day, I felt super good. Uh, surprisingly not nervous. I think maybe just because I had so much pressure to actually make it there that, and after I had made it there, I was like, I can do this. Like I'm, I've been doing this for a while. I'm totally fine. Um, first run, my ski blew off for pretty much no reason on a rail, which was kind of crazy. And it's always super stressful when you don't land your first run, but I managed to put down a, a second run that I was pretty stoked on. Um, I, I guess the judges didn't weren't quite as excited about it as I was, but that's kind of how it goes sometimes. And I was just really happy to, you know, be able to go out there and compete for the United States and show people what I was capable of doing. And so I guess that's what I did. 
Hey man, as long as you were happy with it, like you did yeah. your best, you did your best. Yeah. Like it's unfortunate, you know, obviously I've never, yeah, you know, competed in anything like that. I've never even put skis on, so I don't know how they just randomly yeah. fall off. So I'll believe you on that one. Um, <laughs> but it just sounds like, you know, that's super unfortunate that things like that happen yeah. and you know, not everything is in our power. That is unfortunate. But you know, at the same time you were there, you, you did what you came to do. Clearly you, yeah. you felt pretty good about it and that's really all you can ask for, right? Yeah, true. <laughs> That's all we can ask for. That's good stuff. Yeah. So what like getting there. So, so you were saying, you know, that first, those first few nights you guys kind of uh, hung low, didn't really do much. Was that by, you know, did, did the people that were there prior, were they like, did they go out and do stuff? Cause they were already there once or were they like, no, this is how we do it. Or kind of how, how does that, you know, you guys being there the first time versus yeah. the people that have been there a couple of times, what's that dynamic like? Um, I think for the most part, we were on the same page Mm -hmm. going into everything. It was kind of just, we'd wake up, eat breakfast, watch some stuff on the TV, go to the gym, come back, and then usually just watch events. Um, It's kind of funny because people, like people in the States just sit in front of their TVs and watch the Olympics, right? Mm -hmm. That's like a big portion of what we did as well, (laughs) which is kind of funny. Like we were in South Korea, but you can't watch everything. So we watched a lot of stuff on TV. Um, and they, we had this room where they had snacks and drinks and food and stuff like that. And, uh, you could, it was just for the U S team, but all sports. So, um, it was really cool to like watch certain sports with the athletes. Um, we watched a lot of like luge and skeleton and bobsled. Uh, and it seems like it's so easy when you watch it on TV, but after we watched it with a bunch of athletes, we got like a whole new perspective on Mm -hmm. the whole sport. And uh, I guess they said the same about us because <laughs> uh, they had no idea what was going on with us. So it was cool to meet a bunch of people that you wouldn't normally run into. And um, I feel like I came out of the Olympics with a lot of like pretty good friends that are in other sports. And it's cool to have those people too. That is pretty sweet. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize, I mean, it makes sense once you say you guys have a nice room that all of you can mm-hmm. co-mingle, kind of hang out and do your thing. Um, and yeah, just being able to kind of, network you know just just talk to people from other sports and just learn what they go through and like I know obviously you have your teammates um and and other people within you know just Mm -hmm. skiing in general and then there's this whole other subsect of sports that you know you never even talk to these people so it's kind of cool that you guys are able to kind of meet engage interact Mm -hmm. and be able to even watch each other's sports yeah kind of explain and see what's going on to meet those kind of people just I mean you can sometimes like you meet other ski team people and snowboard people, obviously, and that's cool. But it was really cool to meet like hockey players and like, mm-hmm. you know, skeleton, luge, bobsled, curling, like crazy stuff. And it was cool to meet all those athletes and kind of like get their perspective on your sport and their sport and just kind of watch whatever. And it was the the vibe in that room was really cool. Everybody, it didn't matter what sport you were you were doing or watching you were just all rooting for usa and it was fun in there it was definitely a good time (laughs) america loves curling though i don't get it once every four years we go ballistic for this sport that no one really knows oh dude we love it no one knows the rules i don't think because you'll talk to like four (laughs) different people and they're like no 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 it's this and i'm like i don't think that's how it works is it Mm -hmm. so that's always a fun one just seeing how we only care because it's america and and we're facing whoever it was sweden russia whatever it didn't matter i was all for it i watched every (laughs) single match that i could i don't even know if they're called matches but i watched every single game that i could um and for whatever reason we love it and then we forget Mm -hmm. about it and four years later let's go ballistic about it again so uh that is (laughs) pretty cool funny 
oh, I can only imagine watching it with the curlers and them, you know, yeah. probably getting real and in depth about what's going on, why it's going on. And you're just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, definitely. you throw rocks at other rocks, right? Like, <laughs> that's how it works. It looks yeah. But as you were saying, you know, clearly you get a whole nother appreciation once you actually get to uh, yeah. dissect it with someone else that does it. So that is pretty cool. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit uh, for a second and just kind of, you know, one thing that I want to do with this podcast and making sure that kind of the people that listen to it, the general audience, they, they just assume if you're an Olympic athlete, that means you make a either good amount of money or at least a, uh, like a livable wage. Now we don't need to get into the politics of it. That's a whole nother yeah. thing. But, um, you know, I just want to kind of understand from your point of view, like obviously with skiing is a little different than snowboarding for whatever reason. I don't really understand why it just mm -hmm. is. Um, you know, what's it like with sponsorships and getting money? You know, obviously if you medal, you make X dollars, um, depending on how right. good you are, you make so much money, but you know, sponsorships, you know, kind of, how do you guys go about that? What do you do? Is it usually driven through agents, through, the, the team itself or the governing bodies? How does, how does that work? And, and have you seen any successes in that area? Um, so I guess it's kind of just, you know, either through yourself or an agent. I currently don't have an agent at the moment, so I'm kind of just doing it myself. And I mean, it's pretty easy, I think, to when you're like at this caliber to kind of pick up a sponsor and, you know, have them just give you free product. But yeah, it's definitely a lot. It's a different ball game to kind of get paid. Um, especially skiing. I don't think the ski market is really that good right now. So it's definitely hard to get paying sponsors um, unless you're pretty much like one of the top dogs, um, which is tough. <laughs> um, but I mean, I don't know. My parents helped me out a lot on the financial side. And I mean, that's, I don't know, kind of how it goes sometimes. Yeah. Um, I feel like you either make, make a decent living or you don't with skiing kind of and um I just don't really have like all the endorsements that some of my friends and stuff have but I mean I'm making it work I guess I don't I don't really like you know I don't I'm not skiing to make money like I'm skiing because I love it so it's kind of just and it's not like a lifelong career you know you can't be a professional skier forever anyway so um it's kind of just it's whatever really but it is like a big misconception um I was uh, talking to some kids at the at my mom's. Well, my mom's a principal at a middle school, and she loves to talk about me. <laughs> so hey. she talks to her students about them all the time. And so she asked me to come in and talk to her students about my journey to the Olympics and everything. And they were all like asking me how much money I make. And I was <laughs> I was wearing this watch, and they were like, "What brand is your watch? Like, how much was it?" And I'm like, "I got this for twenty dollars." <laughs> you guys got me all wrong. Um, so I don't know. It's, I feel like people do just assume that you have a bunch of money, but even if you're making, you know, decent ish money, you pay, we pay for all of our flights. So it's like, you're easily dropping thousands of dollars on flights every year, you know, mm -hmm. going back and forth between Europe and all that kind of stuff. Like you're spending a lot. <laughs> I've spent a lot of my parents' money. Um, Thanks, but, mom and dad. yeah. Thanks, mom and dad. You're the best. <laughs> no, 100%. And that is, you know, just one thing I, I, I understand. Again, with each sport, it's completely different. You know, obviously, you know, the, the way the money filters down through the, the governing bodies themselves, which governing bodies get more money, yada, yada, yada. Um, there's some there's some pretty interesting, um, you know, articles and, and interviews on that stuff already. So again, that's, I don't need to get into the politics of it. Um, but I just think it is, it is super unfortunate. You know, you're one of the best, you know, 
let's call it 17. Is that allowed? I guess you got 17th place, correct? At the Olympics. Yeah. You know, you're one of the top, let's call you one of the top 20 in the world at something, uh, you know, so I think it's pretty unfortunate that, um, you know, just most Olympic athletes don't, don't nearly get what they deserve in my opinion. And hopefully, you know, one day we Mm -hmm. can do something to, uh, to change that a little bit. So with, um, I guess, was it, has it been any different with, obviously not making the Olympics versus making the Olympics, being a little bit older. Um, Has that really changed anything being able to say, well, I was at these games, like that kind of thing, or have you not really seen too much um, in that front either? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I've really seen much going on there, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Hey, it's your life. I'm just trying to ask some questions. That's all. But no, a hundred percent. I mean, it completely makes sense. Um, A little, as I said, I think it's a little disappointing, but again, we'll, uh, we'll do our best to change that one day. Um, and then I guess really, you know, the last question I'll have for you is if, you know, what is something that you want people to know about being an Olympian, going to the Olympics that really the general person really has no idea or anything about, or has never even heard of before that is pretty much like commonplace to you guys. Yeah. Um, I guess probably one of the biggest things about the Olympics is just kind of, I feel like people's ideas of the Olympics get very uh, twisted kind of by the media. And I mean, I've personally like gotten it a lot and it's, it kind of just is a bummer when, you know, you're one of four women in the United States to go to the Olympics for your sport. And sometimes it seems like the only thing that people care about are medals, you know? And it's like, I, I still got there (laughs) and I, I've been asked so many times, like, like, oh, did you go to the Olympics? And I'm like, yeah, actually I did. And they go, oh, did you get a medal? And I'm like, no. And you can see their face like legit mm-hmm. sink. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, like I got like, there, right? That's yeah. half the battle, right? I mean, more than half the obviously battle. Obviously, we all want to go. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, we all want to go to the Olympics and like do well, you know, like you don't want to go to the Olympics and not do well. Like that's everybody's goal, right? <laughs> so it's just kind of, I feel like it's very frustrating that people are like so quick to judge kind of. Um, it's either like people are so excited or people are just like completely unimpressed about it because you didn't get a medal or something. And it's like, I, I think that's one thing that's like, I, I wish people were more excited rather than like excited if you get a medal, mm-hmm. you know, um, no, that's one thing about, about, you know, when you tell someone you're an Olympian and they ask you how you did, I, it's just, it's kind of annoying <laughs> no oh, yeah. i could yeah no i mean you yeah. this is literally your life's work since let me check that age four almost and age 15 you literally moved away from your family to compete um yeah. you know to try and compete for your country and, and do everything mm-hmm. you can you know again this is this is why i'm yeah. doing this i want more people to understand like the amount of uh you know obviously that first question i asked you sounds like your life is pretty leisurely going on mountain back you know mountain bike no yeah. i'm kidding but uh you know obviously up until and and i'm assuming you know relatively soon you're going to be you know you know working extremely extremely hard you know you've put in more work by the mm-hmm. age of 21 22 you know 25 when you're at your next olympics than most people will in their entire lives and i truly truly believe that yeah. um yeah. so you know i definitely think you know hey Obviously, I would love to see you get a medal, I know, but if you didn't, yeah. I'm still extremely, extremely impressed that you're one of the four best athletes in the country at a single sport. You're one of the top 20 athletes in the entire world at something. That is definitely, you know, nothing to hang your head on. Uh, you know, that's extremely impressive. Yeah, 
you know, I'm sure, I'm sure. Yeah. You've talked to people and they, they've been a little disappointed that you didn't meddle, but I do think there are enough people yeah. out there that just appreciate you for, for what Definitely, you're doing and, yeah. and how much time and energy you put in that, you know, let's focus on those people and the rest of them, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll come around to our side one of these days. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think another kind of misconception is I think it's a lot with people like I used to go to high school with and stuff, just kind of, you know, they're like, Oh, you just travel the world and you get to ski. And yeah. And I mean, it's obviously amazing. And I'm like, so thankful for everything that I get to do. But I don't think a lot of people, especially like my age really understand like how much we put into it. Um, it's kind of just like, Oh, you just get to ski and go to Europe. And I'm like, yeah, but it's stressful. <laughs> and like you're competing. It's your and job. Fun, but it's it also like sometimes it's not. And you know, it's really tough. And I don't think a lot of people really get that idea of skiing, of being a professional athlete. I think it's kind of, I don't know. I don't know how to, people don't see it really, but no, no, I, I, I mean, it, I guess have a weird idea of what it is. An analogy that I've, you know, when I was, when I was younger, one thing that I always thought was just like, oh, traveling for work, that's a blast. Like I know people that go to London like twice a month and they're going to like Beijing for work every like three months. I have a friend's dad who goes to, um, you know, Tokyo, he goes to South Korea and uh, somewhere in China, I can't remember exactly where, Hong Kong, I think. And, you know, he goes to those three places like once every two months. And when I was younger, I was like, that's so cool. You get to travel and do all this stuff. He's like, no, it sucks. Like I'm traveling for work. I don't get to do anything fun while yeah. I'm there. And I'm sure hopefully you guys get to do something a little bit more fun than specifically just working. But, you know, you're traveling, traveling for work and traveling are completely different. You know, you're, you have yeah, to be on yeah. point. You're stressed the whole time, as you said, because you're competing because if you don't do well, you don't make money. You don't make money. You don't make the team, yada, yada, yada. You know, all these things. It's yeah. not like you're just like, hey, I'm going to New Zealand to hang out for like a week. It's like, no, I'm going to New Zealand yeah, to yep. and do my job, my literal job. So, you know, I, I completely you know, can see, you know, especially mm -hmm. people, people your age, my age, our age, um, just assuming. Um, but I'm sure people that are a little bit older and have had to travel for work every once in a while can completely understand that. I mean, no one ever yeah, thinks definitely. about jet lag. You already brought that up one time. Like, it's like, you're going to New Zealand. What's that uh, flight? Like 14, 16 hours, whatever it is. Like, that's not fun. Yeah. Like, you're on the wrong side of the clock at that point. You got to figure your entire body out. Like, you know, so I, I, yeah, I completely respect, completely respect what you're talking about there. Yeah. And a lot of times when we're, you know, when we're going to world cups and stuff, like we pretty much make them as quick as possible. Uh, you usually get there, you have one day to chill. Maybe sometimes you don't even get that. And then you're training and competing and then you leave. Um, so it's not really even like you get to go and, you know, dilly dally around whatever Paris and then go to the mountains and ski. <laughs> like it's pretty much like you get there, you go up home, you sleep, you wake up and you start training and then you compete in two days and, that's pretty much and then you leave and it's kind of just like a time constraint I guess like we don't get to just hang out really sometimes like at training camps and stuff when we're there for longer you definitely get to travel a little bit more and it's less um like accelerated I guess but typically when we travel for a world cup it's like there and out pretty mm -hmm. much bang, so bang, you fly bang. to Europe for six days maybe and it takes a day to get there mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so it's really like you know, you're only there for four days and you're doing your thing and then you get out. So I think, yeah, it's just kind of crazy really, but it's a good time. Hey, as <laughs> long as you, it. I was going to say, you're, you're still doing it. So clearly you love it. So, you yeah, know, as, as, uh, as, as, um, slightly negative as that might've sounded, I'm sure you wouldn't trade it as you said for yeah, the, for the no. entire world. Definitely not. Yeah. I just, I just like to kind of tell my friends to just kind of, 
how it goes and mm-hmm. see if they can like sort of understand that it is really fun and everything. And I mean, I am getting to do what I love every day, pretty much all over the world, but it does have its, its stressors <laughs> and, it, mm-hmm. and it's definitely not all fun and games, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. No, a hundred percent, but awesome. Um, Darian, that is it for me. Sincerely, sincerely do appreciate it. I hope you had as much fun as I did. This was super cool getting to know you, understand you. what you're doing, kind of what it's like. You know, if people didn't understand already, becoming an Olympian sounds a little difficult. Uh, sounds like it takes a couple years. Sounds like you have to move away from your family for a little <laughs> while, which clearly you took in stride at an extremely young age. So again, kudos, congratulations on that. I, I mean, as I said, you know, it's, it's been difficult enough to live 30 minutes away from my parents. Um, I can only imagine, and I'm 26, so I can only imagine what you went through at uh, at 15 and now, you know, 21, 22, um, living far away. So other than that, sincerely appreciate it again. Thank you so much. Um, hope you have a wonderful day. Good luck with everything. Hope to stay healthy, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be able to talk to you again soon. Yeah. Thank you very much. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Our Athletes. I sincerely appreciate you taking your time out of the day to listen to what our athletes have to go through on a daily basis, just to represent our country as elite, um, at the highest possible level. So thank you guys so much. If you could rate, comment, share, subscribe, do whatever you got to do. I would love more people to listen to this because I truly believe that it'll be very inspirational. But at the same time, I truly believe that for the amount of blood, energy, sweat, tears, money that our athletes are putting into trying to represent our country, that the least we can do is listen to how they got there. So thank you guys so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.